0: Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites hard anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. It's wonderful to see you back again at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper. Chris Baker, and today we've got a peculiar thing as I pull out this record from its sleeve. You might notice the band is an ill-fated band called Dream Widow, and I think if we take this record and play it, we might get some melodic heavy metal music, but if we play it backwards, we might get a message that, well, therein lies the question is what is the message? Well, it just might tell a tale that we are going to talk about on this week's episode. So let's pull out the Kinetoscope and take a look at Studio 666. Now, Studio 666 has such an interesting story behind it. Of course, the Foo Fighters back in 2019-2020 were recording their 10th studio album, uh, Medicine at Midnight, which uh, released... Uh, earlier in February, February 5th, I do believe. And they did something interesting as they're recording in this old mansion, this old house uh, that is reported to be haunted. uh, Dave Grohl had the idea. What if, what if they did a movie like a, like an old school slasher horror movie and kind of put this out in conjunction with their 10th album, kind of as a big celebration of this. And that's kind of what the movie would be about. It would be about the Foo Fighters recording their 10th album, recording it in this haunted uh, mansion, this haunted estate, and then all the mayhem that would ensue. And they filmed this movie kind of in secret. Nobody really knew they were doing this until we started getting the, the teasers and then some of the trailers. I don't know if it came out late last year or maybe early this year but uh, as soon as I saw it I was like I have got to watch this movie because I like many I am a huge Foo Fighters fan and have always enjoyed one their music. Uh, their music has always been good and I've always enjoyed that but also their videos their videos are some of the funniest and while you don't get a lot of acting acting traditional acting you get these guys uh, in this band in these different roles ever long. Learn to Fly, Long Road to Ruin, the new song that came out here, I believe Love Dies Young. They did the, the, the video with that, with the synchronized swimming. Uh, they've always done really fun funny videos and have always had an element of acting in it so it, it was no surprise that they were going to do this movie and they were going to be the stars the guys on the band Dave Grohl, Taylor Hawkins Nate Mendel Pat Smear Chris Shiflet, and of course uh, the quasi new guy uh, Rami Jaffee. we'll talk about him coming up a little bit. But it's all about them going to record in this in this haunted studio and all the hijinks that ensue. Now I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about what I thought of the acting job with the guys of the band. Uh, there are some some decent actors in this, and I think it's a decent story. And we'll we'll talk about all the things I liked about this. There were some things that uh, I, I I can't say I didn't like. Uh, but we're mainly going to focus on what you really had to be anticipating in this and why so many people are so divided on this film. And it's so divisive as to whether you should or you shouldn't like it, whether it's the greatest film ever, whether it's the worst film ever. We're going to kind of talk about where we're at in in horror cinema that that causes this sort of reaction to something that should have just been a fun, campy horror film. Uh, because I think that's what these guys set out to make. Uh, Dave Grohl and the guys in the band looked like they were having the time of their life filming this movie. And it just seemed like a, a cool idea, I think, at the time. And they really didn't. I, I've heard some interviews with Dave Grohl. First We Feast, uh, the Hot Ones episode with Dave Grohl, where he, you know, is kind of talking about this, uh, said that, you know, at some point they realized, hey, we're making a a movie here. This is like a legit movie. And it it really did. I mean, it looked good. The movie had a great look. And now I'm going to go over some of the plot. Uh, It's a very simple, simple plot to follow along with. There was a band in the 90s that recorded there, uh, Dream Widow, which there's a funny story how that all ties back into the Foo Fighters, but uh, the guy got possessed, the leader of the band got possessed, ended up killing the band, ended up killing himself, and fast forward to today, the Foo Fighters are going in to record, and Dave Grohl gets possessed and starts killing off people, members of the band. And Dave Grohl, I, I got to blame him. He kind of spoiled this for me because watching that episode of Hot Ones, uh, we're talking to, to that cat, Sean. I uh, love that show, by the way. Uh, such a fantastic uh, forum to to do an interview. But he, he said, you know, this is, <laughs> they go to record, he gets possessed, kills off all his bandmates, and then goes solo. And that's pretty much the basis of this. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail as to what happened because, you know, this is a really new movie. Just came out late last week. And I think everyone needs to check this out. If you love horror, if you like fun horror movies, uh, you really need to see this. Because this this is, you know, I'm not a big fan of like horror comedy Uh, To me, I just, I want horror to be scary, but every once in a while, uh, an idea comes along like this that just seemed fun to have a band that I really like, the Foo Fighters, filming a horror film where they play themselves. It just, it, it couldn't not be just an enjoyable watch. I mean, I suppose it probably could have been bad if if the guys were just horrible, horrible actors, and, and we'll get into to the the jobs that everyone did here just briefly, but uh, it, it could have been bad. It could have been just horrible, but uh, there was some production quality to this, and guys like Dave Grohl, he did a fantastic job playing playing a, a an amped up. Caricature of what people expect of a rock star. He, he did a great job of playing himself and playing that. Uh, Taylor Hawkins does a good job of just playing himself. Chris shiflett I thought, was a did a fantastic job because he, you know, he did a good job playing himself on screen. Nate Mendel, he did. There were some scenes where he did a good job. There are the scenes where it seemed a little stiff and and not quite. I, I don't know uh, whether it was the read of the lines or whatever. Remy Chafee, who he's kind of the newer member of the the Foo Fighters. I mean, he's been working with the band since like two thousand five, something like that. He's been a studio musician. Uh, he's been uh, on the road with them. Uh, playing live with them. He plays keyboards. He was actually the keyboardist in the band, the wallflowers from back in the mid nineties, uh, bringing down the horse, uh, fantastic album. Uh, but, he was a member of the Wallflowers, been working with the Foo Fighters, and then back in 2017 became an official member of the band. Uh, he, he, but you could tell in some of the the bits of his storyline, he he got he got the new guy treatment, even though he's been in the band for what going on five years now. But uh, but he had some funny bits. Uh, his acting was. Uh, a little weird. I don't know whether it's just his delivery or him in general, but, or the character uh, caricature of himself that he was playing. But some of it just seemed uh, very odd and, and bizarre. Enjoyable. And then there's there's Pat Smear, which he seemed the most uncomfortable acting out of all of them. Uh, there were some scenes where it was like, oh. That's 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 brutal to watch the acting performance there. It's like he's just reading a line and he's smirking all the time, like kind of like uh, you know when you watch TV shows where people can't stop looking at the camera. That's how it seemed like he felt, uh, like he was constantly smirking because he was constantly aware of that camera on him. There were moments like that, but then there were moments where he was so brilliantly funny. Uh, just naturally funny with a line delivery. Or there are scenes where they're being chased, uh, him and Nate are being chased, and Pat is screaming this high pitched scream. And it was just hilarious. So uh, there, there were scenes with Pat Smear that uh, I I didn't know whether I should be uh, appalled at the acting job or marvel at its brilliance because he did, you know, he did some some iffy work, but then he did some quite brilliant work as far as a novice actor doing comedy. Uh, It was just it was fun to watch, uh, regardless. And then you had uh, a, a. rounded out a cast that I I really enjoyed. Uh, Whitney Cummings, uh, she's funny. She has a scene (laughs) where scenes with Rami Jafee are just (laughs) those two. uh, I I, I can't say they had great chemistry, but there was something about the two. The awkwardness added to the comedy and it just cracked me up. Will Forte plays uh, the delivery guy who he, he of all of them, he just, he felt like he was playing a character. It's not that I don't like Will Forte, but all I kept thinking about was McGruber. He just had a different colored wig on. But uh, Jeff Garland who I love in that sitcom, The Goldbergs. He's in that, and he's essentially playing a, an amped up version of his character on The Goldbergs, always yelling about something. But uh, but he, he did a good job playing the Foo Fighters manager, uh, Shill. Also, Leslie Grossman, who you may remember from, if you've watched any of the American Horror Stories seasons, uh, she's played several roles uh, in, in various seasons. She plays the real estate agent that brings the Foo Fighters to this house and her and the shill character uh they've got uh, a nefarious reason for for this all to happen uh there were some great cameos in this of course probably one of the newest scream queens uh, jenna ortega she's done a lot of of genre in her young career iron man 3 insidious 2 Uh, she was in this latest version of Scream, not a big fan of that, but I'm sure she did a fantastic job. She's going to be in that new movie X, which I'm really excited. That movie kind of looks like it's a cross between Boogie Nights, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I'm excited to see her in that, but she was in this, had a a, a small role in it, and, and did a really good job. Some of the best cameos in this, though, had to be uh, Carrie King, the guitarist for Slayer, plays the drum tech Krug. <laughs> and as soon as you see him, uh, if you know any metal, uh, anything about metal, you you recognize Carrie King right off the bat. And it was just fun to see him play that role and working with Dave Kroll because the guys are obviously friends and uh. It, it was fun to see him. Jimmy Simpson, uh, you remember him. He was in uh, Westworld. Uh, had a brief cameo at the very end. John Carpenter makes an appearance in this as a studio engineer. And it's a really cool story as to how John Carpenter got involved. Because the Foo Fighters have this, I, I think he's a lighting guy, Dan, If I remember the story correctly, and Dan also did lighting for John Carpenter, because John Carpenter's a an accomplished musician, and he does a lot of he hasn't directed in years, but he's scored a lot of movies. He's scored some of the new Halloween stuff. So he's done a lot of scoring, and he's been out on the road a lot. Well, this Dan Cat was a lighting guy for John Carpenter when he performed. And he told Dave Grohl, hey, you you should try and get John Carpenter to make a cameo in this. And Dave Grohl was like, oh, hes he, why would he do that? Why would he want to be in this movie? Uh, so this lighting guy, Dan, gives Dave Grohl John Carpenter's email. Dave Grohl emails John Carpenter kind of a, hi, my name is Dave Grohl. I'm in a band called the Foo Fighters. We're doing a movie. And John Carpenter replies that uh, apparently the Foo Fighters took his son, uh, Cody, his band out on the road with them like 15 years ago. And he says, because you were so cool to my son and his band and took them out on the road 15 years ago, uh, not only will I cameo in your movie, but I'll also write the theme song for it. So John Carpenter not only cameoed, but he wrote the theme song for this movie, uh, which, uh, you know, it, it has that signature, uh, John Carpenter's sound. So that was really cool to see him show up in it. There is another cameo and I can't quite place the guy. Dave Grohl's having writer's block and can't come up with any ideas. So he's up late eating chicken parm or something like that. And he's watching an online instructional guitar video. And the guy who is in it is a a, a bigger uh, named guitarist for some metal band, but I can't. I can't, I can, I recognize him, but I can't place where he is and he doesn't come up on any cast list. It's totally uncredited. uh, So I keep looking for that. There was a, 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 quasi cameo, uh gets speaking of guitarists, Steve Vai makes an appearance in this movie because when Dave Grohl finally gets the inspiration through uh through nefarious ways, uh, through maybe through possession, who knows? But uh, there's a, a point where he starts Shredding on the guitar in front of the other guys in the band and Dave Grohl is not what you would call a shredder So they they show him playing but there are a lot of shots of just his hand working up and down the fretboard and that's actually Steve Vai, guitarist Steve Vai, who who said that uh, he got involved because he lived like a, a three minute walk from the house that they were recording and filming this movie in. And then a uh, final cameo. I saved this one for last because this one had to be uh, one of the best cameos. Dave Grohl is having a writer's block and he is having this dream and he's at this like tiny keyboard. And you hear the him playing this song. And you know right away that it is Lionel Richie's Hello. And Dave Grohl starts singing Hello. And it actually does a really good job with it. Because that's a little higher register for Dave Grohl. Um, he's playing that. And all of a sudden, Lionel Richie walks in. And he's like, Dave, I'm paraphrasing right now. But Dave, I know you're having trouble coming up with some music right now. But that's my fucking song. <laughs> And he just keeps going on about, that's, I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs. That's my fucking song. And then as he's walking towards back out towards the door, and just before he leaves, he goes to Dave Groh, goes, nerd. <laughs> it was so freaking funny. And the sad thing is my wife and I are watching this movie, And because she's not a big horror fan, but she loves the Foo Fighters. And I promised her that this wouldn't be a traditional horror movie. It'd be more funny comedy horror. So she relented and went with me. But we were the only two. I think we were probably the oldest people in the movie theater. And we were probably the only ones that got that whole scene and knew who Lionel Richie was. Uh, It was kind of sad, but we enjoyed it. So the cast was really—I I enjoyed the cast. I loved all the cameos. The guys in the band—they're not actors, you know. You've watched uh, other bands in movies. You the Beatles back in the what the the sixties those guys weren't actors. Kiss, those guys aren't actors. They just look like uh, superhero monsters and that's what their movies were, like superhero monster (laughs) movies. Uh, Michael Jackson in Moonwalker or whatever his movie was, he's he's not an actor. You got to take that with a, a grain of salt. And while these guys aren't actors, I thought they did an okay job with the acting portion of this. And that's all they had to do because this that's what this movie was. This was a fun movie. And I'm not going to go into all the nuts and bolts of what happened plot-wise. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the influences right now of this movie and how some of the plots tied into that. But you really could see a lot of influence in this movie. Uh, from uh, one, The one thing that really stood out to me was Evil Dead really influenced this movie because there's this book... That has this curse in it, and you have to feed it blood, and and that's how the the Dave Grohl gets possessed through the entities, and all that sort of jazz. I mean, it's it's fairly convoluted uh, as horror movies go, but this book felt very much like the Necronomicon in in Evil Dead. Some of the action, the horror action felt very much akin to what went on in Evil Dead. Dave Grohl being possessed really felt like uh, some of the possession scenes in Evil Dead. Maybe not quite as over-the-top campy as Evil Dead, but very much in that vein. Another thing I I found that this movie really had kind of an exorcist feel to it because of the possession aspect of it. Uh, We didn't see Dave Grohl puking up pea soup, but we did get to see Dave Grohl puking up Chris Shiflet, uh, which, eh. Six of one, half dozen of the other. <laughs> but but you did have a lot of influence there with some of those scenes in The Exorcist with the, uh, with the demon possession. Really felt akin to what uh, they were trying to do in this. There was also kind of a shining vibe, you know, being tucked away, secluded, and all work and no play makes Dave a oh dull boy. That sort of vibe, you kind of got that with this movie. And there were a lot of, like I said, there was no. This wasn't a great horror movie. Uh, there was a lot of comedy. It was a lot of horror as far as blood and gore. If you if you like blood and gore and guts, Dave Grohl eating what could possibly be Chris Shiflett's rib cage, <laughs> you know this is this is a good movie. If you like of fun, campy humor in your horror, then this is going to be a movie for you. If you're in this for the scares, there really weren't a lot of scares in this. Uh, There were some creepy moments. Uh, Some of the demon scenes, the shadow demons were kind of creepy. Some of it wasn't the best CG work, but it certainly wasn't the worst CG work. There is a scene where Carrie King's Krug um, comes back as this kind of glowing-eyed, floaty demon. And like the first shot, I was like, oh, that's, that's creepy. Uh, there were some creepy moments to it. There was also a good amount of tension. They did build tension very well in this and suspense. Uh, they built that quite well with some of the scenes. I mean, a lot of the scenes were shot pretty well. I mean, this was by no means a slick studio production, but it also didn't feel like this was a cheap uh, handheld camcorder production either. And I thought they did a really good job with the look of it. Uh, the special effects, uh, the digital effects were were pretty good. Uh, the the special practical effects were were quite good. Uh, there's one scene with Whitney Cummings and Rami Jaffee where <laughs> they're they're making tenderness, and Dave Grohl is having none of that. And he pulls his best Leatherface. Well, maybe not impersonation, but very much inspired by the fine handiwork of uh, one Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Probably one of the grossest scenes in the whole movie. Uh, Quite disgusting. And and still in some ways quite funny. That was quite a cool kill. Uh, The Taylor Hawkins, which uh, sadly enough, I think you see it in the, the trailer uh, which uh, I, I hate the way they cut trailers anymore. It gives away way too much of the movie, but uh, Dave Grohl slings the symbol and, and it goes right through Dale Hawkins' half of his head. That was quite gross. So they had some really cool kills. They had some fun kills. and <laughs> some... They had some... Uh, they had some kills that looked bigger than the budget would suggest and then they had some kills that looked like seriously you didn't have enough money to do better than that uh pat smears death in this uh i was like wow that didn't look like they used any money at all felt like a paper mache head filled with raw meat and they just splat but anyway i said it wasn't going to give too much away so all in all i had a fun time with this my wife had a fun time with this my wife doesn't really care for horror movies. Uh, I mean, she's watched some and she will watch some, but she's not big on horror. But she loved the Foo Fighters. And and we came out of that movie both enjoying it as much as the other. Enjoyed the bits of horror. It, it was fun. It was fun, campy, comedy horror. And getting to see a band you love kind of in the lead role. Uh, that just made it fun. And I think that's the problem. And that's what I wanted to dedicate a little bit of time in this podcast to is because I've been reading a lot of reviews. My wife and I have both been reading reviews ever since we watched this movie last night. And so many people, I mean, you got people that get it and then you have people that don't get it. And the people that don't get it are just sitting there bitching and moaning about this movie. Worst movie I've ever seen. Uh, wait a minute. I thought Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix was the worst movie you've ever seen. Uh, is it, are your standards so, so high that every movie that doesn't fit the uh, specific criteria that you have for great horror films, uh, is it so, specific that any new movie that comes out that you don't like is going to be the worst movie you've ever seen is that is that how it is are your tastes so discriminating that if a movie doesn't fit the exact criteria have the exact number of kills that you want have the exact amount of blood have the exact amount of jump scares you know these are the same people that are probably sitting there saying that the scream franchise is one of the greatest franchises ever i i, I don't i don't understand what some people Want in a horror movie because, and, and two, you have to understand. I, I, like I said, I think the people that got what this movie was about enjoyed it because they understood this wasn't serious horror. If you were going to this movie for a serious, scary horror movie, then you apparently did not pay attention to the trailer whatsoever because that wasn't this movie this movie was camp. It was fun. It was jokes. It was the guys from the Foo Fighters running around, Dave Grohl killing people, uh, laughs, jokes, uh, gross horror, guts and blood, and that sort of thing. And that's, that's all the Bill of Sale had in the itemization section. And that is exactly what you got. If you were expecting more out of this, I don't know why you were expecting more out of this, because this movie was as advertised. If you were expecting The Exorcist, or you were expecting some, yeah, I, and I don't even know, if you were expecting The Shining, everybody holds The Shining up as the gold standard for horror. Uh, that's a flusher for me. Uh, I'd rather read Stephen King's book because that's The Shining, not Stanley Kubrick's abomination. Don't get me started on that. We'll we'll talk about that another time. But at any rate, if you were expecting an Oscar-winning performance from the guys from the band, if you were expecting an Oscar-winning horror film, not that there is such a thing because horror gets shit on by the Oscars, but if you were expecting that, if you were expecting the gold standard for horror in cinema out of this movie then i don't know what the blue hell you thought you were going to see because that was not this movie i think so many horror fans uh, much like metal fans you know when i was a kid growing up in the 80s we all liked metal uh we liked the glam stuff poison cinderella rat we like the heavier stuff maiden priest uh, acdc uh, we loved the thrash stuff, Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax. We just liked it all. You bought a copy of Metal Edge magazine, and you had all those bands in that, and everything was fine. And then the '90s come along, grunge sort of killed the the glam stuff. All of a sudden, uh, the next generation of metal fans became snooty and they became uh, stuck on themselves. And, well, uh, I only listen to this type of metal and that is the only metal that will suffice. That's the only real metal. Well, fuck you. You know, uh, metal and rock and roll is all about breaking the rules, not putting more rules in place as to what is the proper criteria for being a metal band that is worthy of the title. And I think horror fans have kind of gotten that way. We're, you know, some horror fans are so delighted by the smell of their own farts that they think that their criteria for what makes a good horror film is the only criteria for what makes a good horror film and they're gonna let everybody know that what you like sucks and that's not to say you can't say oh i don't like this movie but to sit there and and shit on people because they enjoyed a movie or to sit there and shit on a movie because it isn't what you wanted it to be knowing that it was never going to be what you wanted it to be is just that's ridiculous And then I saw one review where a guy's bitching because there wasn't enough Foo Fighters music in it. What what did you want the Foo Fighters running around, Dave Grohl chasing the rest of the band to Monkey Wrench? If you wanted to hear a bunch of Foo Fighters songs, go get the effing Greatest Hits CD. This movie wasn't about being a showcase for the Greatest Hits like a freaking Beatles movie back in the day. But there was Foo Fighters music in this because one of the cool things is that this fictional band that they talk about in the very beginning, and it kind of gets referenced later, Dream Widow, is actually a Foo Fighters side project. Uh, They did the music for this, movie and they also did a song that came out here not too long ago maybe a couple weeks ago called uh, march of the insane and actually dave roll said that uh they did like a full album of dream widow stuff and it's it's a lot heavier it's kind of i mean i keep hearing it called thrash it's not thrash like i know thrash metallica megadeth slayer Anthrax, The Big Four, Testament, Exodus, stuff like that. This is a little more along the lines of, uh, like, somewhere between thrash, death metal. It's it's very heavy. It's, it's kind of got that uh, new, or not new metal, but newer metal sound. Uh, very crunchy, thick guitars and growly vocals. But they did a whole album uh, of this music as Dream Widow. And I believe they're going to be releasing the full album sometime here in the near future. But you got a lot of the music from that in the soundtrack for this movie. So that was kind of cool as well. So if you're checking out any reviews, whether it be like official reviews from websites or you're checking out, you know, the reviews from people who've watched the movie, you just got to take it with a grain of salt. If this looks like a movie that's going to interest you, then go freaking watch it because... I think, it, like I said, if you go into this understanding what you're going to get, that this is going to be a, a fun ride, uh, it, it may be a little longer than it needed to be. They probably could have shaved off a little bit of time uh, just to tighten things up a little bit, but it's it's a pretty good paced movie. Uh, I think we got a little too much of Dave Grohl having writer's block, but that didn't bother me because you know the action always picked back up and... Like I said, it was fun. It was fun watching the guys for the band, you know, just having a blast, making a movie, making a horror movie. Uh, the look of the movie was good. The tone of the movie was good. The the, the climax was a, a little weird, but uh, and I like the bit at the end between Dave Grohl and Jeff Garland. And their big showdown at the end, uh, of course, uh, Jeff Garland uh, saying that the uh, rock and roll needs the devil back in it to make it dangerous again. Uh, that you know, that that is what made rock and roll dangerous and the forbidden fruit that it was back in the seventies and eighties. So uh, maybe is not wrong. That's maybe a, an episode for another time. But it, it really was fun campy humor good effects uh, a good look to the movie the acting was okay and and it didn't need to be anything better than okay because you had six guys who are not actors in the lead roles and it had a lot of the classic tropes of of horror uh demon possession you know you can't go wrong there so if you go into it understanding what you're gonna get then you're gonna have fun with this movie if you're going into this expecting more than what the bill of sales told you you were going to get, then then you're just gonna you're gonna be miserable. So don't waste your time, don't waste your money, and save us all your bitching and moaning on social media. But I, for one, quite enjoyed this movie for what it was, warts and all. So hopefully if you watched this movie, enjoyed it as much as I have. If you haven't watched it yet and you think it uh, might be something you want to check out, hopefully you enjoy it as well. And uh, I want to thank everyone for taking the time to hear my thoughts on the Foo Fighters movie Studio 666 and... You can find out more on our Facebook page, Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. We're always posting trailers to the latest uh, movies and shows coming out. Always uh, looking, scouring the internet for articles from various sites to uh, kind of talk about that. Talk about some of the things we love in horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. I uh, got some shows coming up. Uh, coming up on Thursday's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, one of my uh, kind of guilty pleasure. Superhero shows on Netflix. Raising Dion, the second season. Uh, I finally finished watching that. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And then we've got uh, the Batman coming out. Uh, later this week and we're going to be doing an episode of that on monday so be looking for those two episodes coming up and be sure to like our facebook fan page uh, odds bodkins curiosity shop to stay on top of everything that's going on with the podcast As uh, speaking of whatever you're listening to this podcast on whatever platform please subscribe uh, please uh, download it share it please leave a review five stars would be awesome but whatever review you leave us would certainly be appreciated and we uh thank you for taking the time to listen to me talk about studio 666 so until next time Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. <laughs>